Hello everyone, and welcome back to Rotating Reels. We've had a hiatus of a couple weeks due to uh, two of our hosts stupidly booking their week-long vacations back-to-back. -back. But we're back, and we've got three great episodes for you this week. Um, we're going to wait to tell you uh, what the, the next two are at the end of this episode, but this episode is our review of F9, The Fast Saga. Um, which just came out. It's only available in theaters. Uh, for me, it was the first movie I've seen in theaters since the beginning of the pandemic. So it's this big cathartic experience. It's a big movie. I think we all have some very strong feelings about it, as I imagine anyone that sees F9 will. But uh, before we get into that, there are a couple orders of business that we got to get to first. So first off, just want to remind everyone we have a Patreon. It was a bit slow due to that uh, that hiatus we had, but we're planning some uh, cool Patreon stuff in the relatively near future, including our uh, our first in-person Rotating Reels recording sesh is coming up here in August. So go out to uh, rotatingreels.com. That's where you can find our Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get Rotating Reels After Hours, which is, in my opinion, the greatest film review podcast after hours variety show on Patreon. Um, easily, easily. Every, everyone agrees. Um, but anyway, besides that, before we get into F9, we also have our, uh, our weekly segment of what we've been watching. So, uh, I assume that most of our listeners are familiar with this, but just in case we're getting some new listeners, I'm going to throw this out there. Each host gets roughly three minutes to just run down what they've been watching over the past week. Um, this week it's going to be a little bit different because, as mentioned, we are on hiatus, and uh, so you know we haven't recorded in almost three weeks. So we're just going to split our what I've, what we've been watching completely arbitrarily uh, between these this week's three episodes. So we'll see what makes it to the first episode. But uh, with that, I'm going to let one of our uh, co-hosts get us started. So uh, picking randomly, Keegan, why don't you go first? You got three minutes to tell us what you've been watching, picking from your past three weeks. Make sure to save some stuff for episodes two and three. And uh, three minutes start now. Oh, boy. So I have a couple things that I've been watching. And again, it's, it's so tough, right? I don't want to just start off with the best stuff. But I think I'm going to pick my favorite thing that I watched in the past three weeks. And that is I watched Pixar's Luca. Uh, this was going to be a... Uh, a major release, right? Obviously, COVID threw a huge wrench in this. A little bit of controversy behind the release for Luca. Uh, the pattern that we've been seeing with Disney movies is usually with their high-profile stuff, right? Black Widow, Soul. Uh, typically, they'll do Disney Plus premiere, where you, now that theaters are open, you can see the movie in theaters, or if you want to watch it at home, uh, you can pay $30 and you have access to this movie as long as you have Disney Plus. Uh, and like I said, this happened with Soul, happened, I believe, with Onward, a lot of Pixar movies that came out during the pandemic. But weirdly enough, Luca is not part of Disney Premiere, which is very odd to me because I actually think this is the best of their recent releases. I know that there was some controversy. I think a lot of the production team who worked on this were pretty upset, uh, felt a little demotivating. And I know that last sprint of post-production was kind of a weird time for the Luca team. Uh, but for anyone that has even heard of this or is interested in it, this is really, really good Pixar. I think this is my favorite since maybe Coco. Um, it's centered around two Italian boys who are actually sea monsters. Uh, but when they step on land, they become normal human boys. And they basically just go about a nice summer villa and eventually compete in a small triathlon. And other than that, not much else happens. The biggest in, uh, influence for the movie was actually Studio Ghibli. Uh, and like those movies, it's kind of just a movie where a couple kids wander through some beautiful landscape. Not much happens. We just kind of get to focus on the relationship and them being kids and having fun together. Uh, so it's really, really beautiful. I think Pixar has reached a place where they can do photorealism. So I had done some reading and basically they had gotten to a point where they decided to scale back and go kind of the Nintendo route and do less photorealism and, and kind of give it more personality um, and make it just a little bit more stylized. And I think that really works in the movie's favor. So uh, for anyone that's thinking, check about Luca, it's free. Uh, and, you know, I wish that it was Disney premiere. I wish it was is more of a moneymaker for the company. I wish they placed a little bit more value in it. But I really, really think this is worthwhile. And I actually like it much more than Soul and Onward. Um, other than that, I don't actually wow. think I have much else. So I'm going to just cap it at that. I have some other things I'm going to sprinkle in later episodes. But man, if anything you take away from this, go watch Luca, guys. 
Little Mermaid backstory, right? It's actually. Uh, it? What's the Timothy Chalamet one? That's what happens, right? She's a little. She's a little. She's a little mermaid, and then she goes up on the water, and she's a real lady, and she meets the prince. Doesn't she? I it's think a there's. Curse, though, I right? think there's extra steps. <laughs> yeah, I think there's more than just I think that's getting the legs. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I've actually heard good things about Luca from other people, too. So I think I'm going to check that one out, especially if it's free. Yeah, yeah free. It's really good. That's music to my ears because, uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to this in two episodes. But uh, fuck paying $30 to stream a movie at home. Um, mm-hmm. So that's good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Keegan, also, you kept it under three minutes. So congratulations. First time uh, for everything. Indeed. <laughs> You did it! Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> now then, with that, let's hear from Taylor. What have you been uh, what have you been up to these past three weeks? What have uh, you been watching? Well, first thing, uh, watched Fast Five with my co host Hank here. Oh. Uh, I don't I think that was the first Fast and Furious movie Hank ever saw. I saw one, two, and three, and then I just assumed they would never make any more because they did everything. Um, and so I kind of stopped paying attention. <clears throat> Turns out they've been making movies this whole time. And the plot's basically the same for all of them. You don't really, I mean, there is other things that happen inconsequential. We're just here for cars and guns and family and just the important <laughs> things. Um, so Fast Five was, it, my review that we're, we're about to do for Fast Nine is gonna be pretty much the same review I would give for Fast Five going to be kind of the exact same um so i won't go into too much right now other things i watched uh keegan i took your recommendation i watched hashtag alive <gasps> yeah i liked it i liked it i thought the use of technology was really nice. good just what you called out i thought it, was, it felt really correct and it added to the plot it, it just felt really seamless a lot like how people use technology today it's just a part of their life so the fact they were able to keep that in a disaster movie i thought was really well done um, and then the last thing I'll talk about was I watched Kevin can fuck himself. Oh my goodness. Um, I watched the first episode and it, I, I think I'm going to give it a, another shot, but I, it didn't grab me the whole juxtaposition between the sitcom thing and then her life. It just, none of it felt super interesting to me. Um, but I want to give it one more shot just in case something, something else gets brought into the story. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I watched for our first one here. Nice. Just all Keegan all the time. So I don't know. It's it's not a bad philosophy. Yeah, but there's a little bit of Hank up front with the Fast Five, so I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. I will say it's it's kind of unfortunate, but we we dropped Kevin can fuck himself. We did two episodes, and it's it's a sick pilot, right? It's a really cool premise, and all the acting's good and everything's. I mean, the pieces are there, but I I agree. Like the first episode kept us going. Second episode was like fine, and then it's just, it's hard to muster up that episode mm. to keep or the the energy to keep going. So I definitely do not begrudge you for for not checking out more yeah the acting was great i will say like to see these actors do like sitcom stuff like classic classic sitcom stuff but it's all tied into this like dramatic backstory i thought they all did a great job but again it just it didn't grab maybe if i had been somebody that had watched sitcoms for a long time it would have been more interesting to me but it, yeah. yeah good stuff taylor so with that i'm going to start my own three minutes um and uh I think I, I have the longest what I've been watching, so I'm going to try and breeze through this. Uh, Taylor hit the first thing on my list, Fast Five. Went over to Taylor's place, grabbed a few drinks, watched Fast Five. It was my first Fast and Furious movie, and what an introduction. It's got Ludacris, it's got Vin Diesel, it's got <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's also got Paul Walker. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but uh, he's not really the feature of that movie for me. Like, like he, he was fine, but he was easily the least exciting thing on screen for the entire movie. Um, but, uh, you, you know, uh, anyway, I was surprised by that. It was the only, time, only movie I've ever seen him in. Uh, besides that, I got uh, one comedy special in in the past three weeks. I watched a comedy special called Show Pig by a comedian named uh, Chris Fleming, who is... Uh, I, I, I'm not sure how to, how to describe them. I, they're, they're, I think either genderqueer or non-binary um but a lot of their jokes kind of have to deal with kind of like towing the line of, of gender boundaries which is kind of fun all in all actually one of the better uh comedy specials i've seen recently it's not a super special it's a, a super new special it's it's available for free on youtube definitely worth checking out if you're into that kind of that kind of queer scene um also still really funny if you're not it's kind of got some uh kind of like edgy college artist humor in there um so enjoyed that a lot 
Um, went over to Netflix, decided to check out uh, one of the new Netflix originals. They have an anime out right now called Trace that's based on, I believe, a Filipino comic book. It's really, really good. Really liked Trace. I have one episode left, but uh, the, the first few episodes I've seen are fantastic. Um, it's kind of like if you've ever read like Artemis Fowl, it has kind of that vibe yeah. of like kind of like the real world colliding with this magical world, except it's super R-rated, like a ton of violence in Ooh. it, like pretty pretty heavy like sexual themes. Um, the entire cast, for the most part, is is Filipino. Uh, there's like a lot of people there like speaking Tagalog and stuff. And interestingly, the animation style really reminds me of. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, What's new Scooby-Doo? That, uh, you know, the, the kind of like early 2000s Scooby-Doo. The animation style, very similar, except, you know, you add in like some blood and guts. Um, so really recommend checking that out if you're if you're into anime at all. Um, a couple other things. Uh, on, on YouTube, I think I've mentioned I follow Watcher. They have a series that's coming out called Too Many Spirits. A couple weeks ago, they aired the last episode of this season fantastic i've said enough about them in the past i really like watcher i think all of their stuff is worth checking out especially too many spirits and uh last but not least uh, i watched one movie actually i watched a couple movies but i'm going to save one of them for later i rewatched the original jurassic park and uh i don't think i need to say anything about jurassic park we all know what jurassic park is it's awesome i love jurassic park go watch it everyone should watch it again it holds up well everybody should watch Um, it yeah anyway that's my what i've been watching uh, question based on your watch list, Hank. Have either of you guys seen the Artemis Fowl movie? I tried not to, and mm-hmm. I successfully didn't. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I haven't either. I, it's kind of one of those things where I liked the book so much when I was a kid that I want to see it, but I feel like I shouldn't see it and do myself a favor. Yeah, those, the Artemis Fowl books, you know, they really spoke to me as a kid. Um, you know, like they're, they're they're young adult, you know, children's types books, but they've got like some dark stuff in them, uh, which which appealed to me. Um, but I heard just so many bad things about about the movie that I'm like, if I watch the movie, yeah. I'm going to need to reread the series just to like cleanse my mind of it. And I don't have that much time anymore, so I just need to not watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That that makes yeah. sense. Okay, well. Anyway, <laughs> that's what we've been watching, and uh, now, what I'm very excited for, we're going to get into the main body of the episode. Uh, we're going to do our review of F9, The Fast Saga. What a title. So as usual, we're going to start with a spoiler-free review section, just kind of give you our general thoughts, um, you know, things, things that we don't need to spoil the movie to talk about, you know, performances, uh, costuming, effects, that sort of stuff. We're going to start with that, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes in, we're going to switch over to spoiler-full stuff. We'll give you adequate warning to get out of here if you are really invested in the story of Fast 9 and don't want it spoiled for you. But, uh, you know, if you've already seen the movie, that section is going to be great for you because you're going to know exactly what we're talking about. I'm sure you're going to be right here with us. There's no way you could disagree with our opinions on this movie. Um, And then, after all that, we'll introduce uh, the next couple episodes that we got coming your way this week. But... To start us off, we're doing spoiler-free review. So I'm going to let uh, Keegan and Taylor start off with their thoughts. But before that, I just want to read you the IMDb blurb for this movie because it's it's incredibly important. I don't think you'll know what we're getting at if you haven't seen the movie <laughs> and you don't hear this blurb. So um, <clears throat> Cypher enlists the help of Jacob, Dom's younger brother, to take revenge on Dom and his team. So, uh, uh, you know... That, that's the blurb of the movie. It's, it's one sentence. <laughs> um, and uh, they've already got some family in there. They didn't use the word family, but we got younger brother, which tells you what you're in for. Um, but with that, I'm going to hand it over to Keegan. Keegan, what were your general thoughts on this one? I am such a Fast and Furious apologist. I absolutely adore this entire franchise. I think I had sent you guys the article that kicked off this entire thing. It's like 20 years old at this point. We started with a pretty small cop drama movie that involves some street racers. And then we move up to this. This is the holy trinity of action blockbuster at this point, right? Like you look up the financial numbers of of these opening weekends. This is the only thing that can hold its own against the the Disney industrial complex, right? Like you get – you have the Marvel movies and you have Star Wars and then it's Fast and Furious. And outside of that, it's kind of whatever else is is a surprise hit, like your John Wicks and stuff like that. But 
I through and through love these movies. Even the worst ones, I think, have a lot of like fun stuff, uh, really fun creative action set pieces, and this one is no exception at all. And I think, you know, my co-hosts watch Fast Five. I think that really is the the pinnacle of what these movies can achieve. So it's definitely not, you know, gonna dethrone that movie at all. Uh, but this is definitely, uh, you know, this is kind of in the honorable mentions. If we 50 years from now when we have 100 of these movies, this is going to be in the top 10, I think. <laughs> um, but overall, you know, I, I, I for a little bit of backstory, I got my, my COVID vaccine fairly early in the rollout. My partner's in healthcare, so I got an exception. Um, so I've actually been back in theaters for a little bit now. And I this movie was so fun to watch in theaters that I wish I would have saved this to be my first theatrical experience. I saw Mortal Kombat as my first movie pack, which is not good. And it's kind of just whatever. It was in a small theater. No one was there. I saw this in a packed IMAX theater, Fast 9 that is. And I was just laughing my ass off. Everyone in the theater was having a ball, right? There is so much wacky, zany set pieces. It's such a crowd pleaser. It just, it really felt like theaters are back. The theatrical experience is back in full force. It had a huge opening weekend. So it's just for people that like watching movies in theaters, this is a really optimistic sign. So I had a phenomenal experience. I actually want to watch it again, um, but I will leave my my gushing for later. I know I'm kind of uh, a little over the top with my love for the series. (laughs) All right, so no, it's good. I'm going to say that Keegan liked I'm... that one. <laughs> <laughs> this may be this may be the Keegan's favorite movie we reviewed. I think just based on how excited you are. It's, it's top three. It really this. is top three. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I... Oh well, I'm glad you're here because I want to. I I my main takeaway from this movie was I need to find someone who loved this movie and just interrogate them. <laughs> I just need to understand what makes you tick that this movie is something you want to watch. I came away from this movie just flabbergasted. I, 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 I don't even know. I, the minute I left, I was like, I'm not going to know what I'm going to say. Just my like first reactions. I just, there's so much here. So much happens. We go to so many places. There's so many characters and I have no idea who they are. Everybody's name, like the blurb you just read, Hank, that I don't. I saw the movie. I have no idea who Cipher is. Charlize Theron. I have no clue. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Also, who the f- who's she? This whole time, why is this lady doing in the movie? I, I, every, I'm just speech. I'm speechless about this movie. Like because you can't ask any questions. Any question you ask about why a character does something, why the characters are in the location they are, why the plot, it, like what you ask any question the entire movie falls apart. Like you just, it's like a ravelly sweater and you just pull a little bit and just everything doesn't make any sense at all. So you can't ask any questions. So you just got to sit there and you just got to take it in like (laughs) clockwork orange with your eyes open while Vin Diesel just stares at you ominously. So that's kind of my reaction to this. Is that good? Is that bad? It's just very confusing. That's something we're going to have to That's unpack. how I feel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't this know. It's going to be like a therapy session for Taylor. I'm just going to be <laughs> guiding you guys for the next hour. But let's go. Hank, how'd you feel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as Taylor mentioned, I've only seen uh, F9 and Fast Five. So I didn't have a huge introduction to this series. So seeing Fast Five, I was like, okay, it's pretty clear to me that the only thing they're going for here is spectacle. And they delivered. And then Fast 9, like, totally the same deal. It's all spectacle, except they multiplied everything they did in Fast <laughs> 5 by, like, a million and a three. You know, like, <laughs> Fast 9, the whole movie is just, like... You know, I, I actually almost want to push back. I'm going to wait until we get to spoilers. But, Taylor, you say that, like, you, you ask any questions, the movie falls apart. When I was watching the movie, I was actually struck by, like, how self-aware it was. Because there were th- moments throughout the movie when they, like, ask those questions. And the response was basically, like, what are you, a fucking nerd? You know? <laughs> like, like there, there, there's a... Uh, uh, I'll wait till spoilers. But there are moments where they really address those questions and make it clear that they don't care about the answers. Um, and yeah, and yeah. anyway, the movie, it's like two and a half hours long. It's not a short movie. The whole time is super high octane. It's loud. They're throwing one-liners left and right. There are weird biblical allusions throughout it. There's like family flashback. This movie has everything you need from like a high octane action movie. Like it's just a who's who of like famous actors throughout it and musicians like the movie just does not let up 
And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yeah, this movie is great. This is gonna win awards as a piece of cinema. But I think the people making this movie knew exactly what they wanted to make. And they got suggestions throughout the process about like how to make it more palatable to a wider audience. And they're like, fuck that. I am not at all interested <laughs> in that. We know what the Fast and Furious audience is coming for. Hey, um, I want to push I, back I on that. I got it dialed in. I yeah. want to push back on that a little bit. And we can get into this a little more in spoilers. But there are, you know, for, for the, the fans and for the people that are into the lore, such as myself, there's a lot of strong voices behind the scenes for these movies. Three of them that come to mind, Justin Lin, the guy who made this movie, and he's made many of them, four, five, and six. Fun fact, uh, he also directed True Detective season two. <laughs> exactly. Wide-ranging guy. <laughs> the Rock, and then Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel hated the first three movies, and he came back for four because they offered him enough money. He did an appearance in three. He did that appearance. They offered him a ton of money. He said, no, I want the rights to Riddick. So for that little five-minute shoot he did in L.A., he got to own the entire distribution rights to that. All of these people with all these conflicting voices, right? The Rock is the one who wants it to be big. You said that you don't think that this is going to be winning any awards. Vin Diesel is so on board with his franchise at this point that he truly believes that this is going to be a winner. So sitting here in 2021, Cannes Film Festival is going on right now. Fast 9 premiered at Cannes Film Festival before any of us got to see it. He regularly pushes everybody in the production team to go and run Academy Award campaigns. He thinks this is a Best Picture nominee every single time. This isn't a spoiler, but Dame Helen Mirren is in the movie, you know, regularly decorated at, at the Academy Awards. He's the one who reached out to her to bring her on. And everyone that's a big name is brought on by him because he, he just truly believes in the critical staying power of this franchise. So one of those voices, <laughs> Hank, Vin Diesel, he would, he would you know, kill you if he heard you say that. You know, and, you know, Vin, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> let me make it up. He's let, let, let me make it up to you. I'll, I'll run a D&D game for you or something. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I still don't think it's going to win any awards. That said, I do believe in the staying power of this franchise. If they just keep making movies like this, I think people are going to go watch them. I think they're still going to be box office hits. I don't think they're going to win Academy Awards, but I don't think they need to. You know, the Academy, it's, it's a bunch of old stuffed shirts, you know, and this is... This is everyone's movie. <laughs> this, is, this is the tails of the shirt flapping in the wind as the Camaro takes off, baby. We're No, no belts where we're going. Oh, man. All right. Oh, so before we get into spoilers, there are a couple things that I want to touch on. Um, so first of all, special effects in this movie insanely good just like everything looked phenomenal like the cinematography was like okay it's like honestly kind of hard to tell when there's this much special effects going on like what's camera work and what's you know something they put together on a computer but it all looked great and unlike a lot of action movies it wasn't like difficult to follow the action which i think is really an impressive feat when you're doing something with this many moving parts and action scenes you have like multiple cars with people jumping between them it would be really easy to lose the action on screen and have it just be a mess i'm thinking of the hobbit trilogy i could not tell what was going on on screen and that was a much lower octane trilogy of films so blown away by how well they did that soundtrack was good um you know like the some of the one-liners were funny uh and uh just one thing that I'd like to say is I've never seen such a blatant disregard for physics as I've seen in this movie. <laughs> and at, at, at first it was striking, you know, like, like watching the movie at first, you're like, do they know how gravity works? Do they, do they know like how G forces work? But you know, about 10 minutes in, you're like, ah, I don't care anymore. Um, and uh, I, I was happy they were able to get me there because, Oh my God, this movie, like they don't know how, it, they're like the insane clown posse they don't know how <laughs> magnets work um, like they don't understand yeah, no anything. that is what they are it's the it's the it's the cinema the, the cinema version of insane clown posse that's the fast and furious trilogy that's it anyway a, a, anything you guys feel uh needs to be called out before we're in spoilers oh boy i have a ton hank i actually i don't know if you've seen some of the behind the scenes i think a big part of why the action is so significant and why I think that's a common thing that people say is 
the crew actually has a huge focus on shooting a lot of this practically. So uh, one of the ones specifically from this movie that I'm really thinking of is uh, there's a scene where uh, John Cena's character steals a red uh, Toyota FRS. So he's driving away through the streets of some European city. Um, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but another car uses an attack to pull his car through a jewelry store. So they flip a magnet, he goes on his side 90 degrees, and it pulls him through a city street. All of that was practical. They had a real FRS they threw through a building. It was on a sliding mechanism. Uh, and the whole thing was shot over, I think they said many, many million millions of dollars were spent on that that one specific scene. And I think it takes up no more than 10 seconds of screen time. But, you know, we, we joke, right? These are crazy movies. But I think there's a, a lot of calculation behind that craziness. I think they don't just throw shit at the wall, maybe when they're writing it. But they, they treat it with a fair amount of respect, right? They're they're putting in some serious effort to these these practical effects, which I really, really love. Yeah, I, there's like an old uh, art, artist's adage that uh, you have to like know the rules to know when you can break them. Um, and I think this movie is is a great example of that. If what you're saying is true and they did so much of it practically, because there are some like pretty unforgivable sins in terms of how physics works. <laughs> but, you know, they clearly had to like know what they were ignoring if they were going to pull it off practically. Like they had to know like, yeah. OK, this doesn't work, but we have to make it work. Um, so that's that's pretty impressive. That, that's that was, a fun bit of lore. Yeah, I keep. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm gonna really overpower this episode. But I know you guys just watched Fast Nine, and the one of the big scenes in that is the the final. It's almost like a 15 minute sequence where two Dodge Challengers are carrying uh, a bank vault through Brazil. That entire thing was filmed. That was uh, all of that was filmed practically, and it's a real bank vault that they're pulling. It wasn't a set produced uh, vault, and they almost killed many many stuntmen filming that. But the entire sequence. Everything's real, and uh, Vin Diesel actually was like on set for much of that, and not just his stunt double. So yeah, very very interesting stuff. I'm honestly amazed that those two cars had enough torque to pull that thing. Um, yeah. Wow. wow. Okay, so I feel like we're <laughs> on the verge of getting into some individual scenes of the film. So I'm going to do my my due diligence as a host here, and I'm going to tell everyone it's spoiler time. So if you haven't seen the movie and you're worried about getting it spoiled for yourself, we understand. Just pause the podcast here. Go watch it. It's only two and a half hours long. Come back. Give, you know, give the rest of the podcast <laughs> a listen. If you have seen the movie, feel free to continue here. But we're about to get into spoilers. What, what, what are we going to spoil? The plot, Taylor. The plot to the film. That's what I mean. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Wait, can you explain to me the plot in like five, like 30 seconds? Explain the plot of this movie. Keegan, go. Oh, man. It's, no, I can't. It very seriously <laughs> compounds on every movie before. That's not a joke, right? I think you actually have to see each movie. I am like a diehard. This is my 10th Fast and Furious movie, and I've watched the two short films, and I forgot who Mr. Nobody was. This is, it's not something that can easily be explained away. So, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, we could tell them, like, they're going to go to create, they're going to Tokyo. They're going to Georgia, and we don't mean the state. <laughs> I mean, like, we can say all the places. They're going to Edinburgh for two minutes for no reason at all. Like, we can do all of this, but it don't, I don't think it's going to ruin anything in the movie, right? Because we're not showing you what they showed you in those places, and this movie is so visual. There, there's no cerebral activity. You just shut off the whole, the whole higher thinking parts of your brain and you're going to get everything in this movie so i don't know what we're going to spoil. well i guess the main thing for me is i want them to go into the big set piece moments and not know what's coming for them five seconds down the road because i feel like we're about to describe some scenes right and uh it would be very easy to say and then this happens and they're going to go they're going to see the car that we described and they're going to know what's coming five seconds later that shock value it's like yeah. It's a big part of, of kind of like the, the payoff of this movie. And that's why I'm saving our audience. So we still haven't spoiled anything, guys. So this is final <laughs> warning. This is, you know, last call <laughs> for hopping off the podcast and watching the movie. But we're about to barrel on into it. Oh, I had to take my pants off. I was so excited. All right. Spoilers for the movie. As Taylor mentioned before, not entirely sure uh, how much we can spoil by just saying names and locations. Um, but... There are a few scenes in particular that I'd like to describe in some detail and just go over what the hell happened there. 
Um, so the one that I really want to get to, so I'm going to do it right up front. I'm going to force my, uh, my, my co-hosts to go there with me, is relatively late in the film, actually. Um, they've captured John Cena. He is in their you know, underground base or whatever it is, uh, and he has a bunch <laughs> of mercenaries come in, bust him out. They're all escaping. There's mercenaries everywhere. It's a goddamn mess. They're all running away because the mercenaries have guns, and they didn't have guns at the time. And uh, Vin Diesel has to stop these mercenaries from getting uh, getting at them. And there's a scene of him on a metal walkway, kind of bashing these mercenaries back as his you know his teammates, his compatriots are climbing into this hatch behind him, getting away. And then in a scene that is literally straight out of the story of Samson from the Bible, he grabs two chains that are attached to a concrete pillar above him and just yanks the pillar. You gotta keep in mind that this pillar I'm describing is, is like three feet wide. It's a huge concrete pillar, clearly reinforced with rebar. But anyway, from a standing position, grabs a chain going over it, pulls it in half, and brings the you know the the platform he's on down along with all the mercenaries saving all of his friends so this scene is one i wanted to get to for a couple reasons so first of all they could not have been more explicit that he's supposed to look like samson bringing the temple down around his enemies here like did did anyone else get like it it was the most biblical moment Mm -hmm. i have literally ever seen in a movie including bible story (laughs) movies (laughs) (laughs) this was more biblical than the passion of the christ (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't want to talk about the passion of the christ (laughs) but um (laughs) but i mean it was just such an odd moment in a movie that was just you know so like full throttle to just have like and here is a bible story immediately followed by a family time flashback with vin diesel it was such a weird scene for me and it totally took me aback because like i said the rest of the movie is just cars exploding cars flying through the air cars crashing into other cars magnets working in very unrealistic manners and then they have this scene of him just using his biblical strength to pull down a concrete pillar, save all his friends. And they cut directly into a scene of Dom, Vin Diesel's character, just reminiscing on his family life. And he's talked a lot about family. So, you know, this is a, this is a big turning point in the movie, except it doesn't seem to actually be a big turning point in the movie. But, um, <laughs> but it, it looks like it's supposed to be. But you guys, what were your thoughts here? Like, did this scene st- stick out to you? Because to me, it was like a sore thumb. I'm so glad you brought this scene up. This was the first time in the movie where I got kind of interested in what was going on. Because, you, like like you say, right, He's just it's just all lats. He brings down thousands of pounds of concrete and rebar with just his lats, while there's like 20 guys grabbing and punching him at the same time, right? And it comes down and you think, okay, well, he's got like a 20-story fall into some water with all this concrete on him. Maybe they're going to kill him. Maybe, um, that's what I'm I'm thinking, maybe Dom's going to die. And then we get this flashback, there's white light, and he sees his kid. I mean, this this whole thing, and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to get interesting now. Now there are stakes. Because every other time in the movie, they they get shot, they get hurt, they they you know fall out of a moving helicopter, and their back lands on you know a freeway overpass, and they bounce off their back into a moving car, and everything's fine. But maybe maybe Dom's gonna die, and then no, and then and then at, then just nothing happens. Basically, the 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 whole crew he was trying to save, instead of running away, they just stared through the porthole of the door he closed and watch him do this, and then they jump down into the water and save him, and everything's fine. We're right back into it right back into fifth gear who cares so i was i was very excited for the beginning of the scene and by the end of it i was kind of yeah i actually had a similar moment where i wasn't necessarily excited for dom to die you know it's vin diesel i don't want vin diesel to die but i was like oh this is interesting this is something i haven't seen before in this movie like some real dramatic tension and then they just scrap it at the end of the at the end of the cutaway to his family life his teammates come in they're like the mercenaries are all gone good job dom let's just get right back to it let's make a plan save the world but um just a weird moment in the movie again not necessarily something that bothered me but i was just like wow who who called for this inclusion my guess is vin diesel but i'm curious to hear our uh, resident <laughs> experts opinion our scholar. No, I actually the the action of this scene did very little for me. I'm so jaded at this point. Like I, I'm just I'm so callous to the amount of action. And late, I mean later we literally 
I, what would an hour earlier we had Vin Diesel who is driving his like his black charger he's fighting against a blue Mustang and he jumps off a bridge and grapples across an entire ravine right so it's it's hard for me to care much about a dude pulling stone but I will say that the best part about this sequence is it you know nine is is kind of a specific movie in the franchise and that I think it really straddles the line of the drama. I, I don't think this this level of shiny light soap opera family drama is on display in the other movies as much as it is here. We have a lot of brotherhood themes. We have a lot of like found family themes and and friendship. But I think this this very deep like family drama and who where you come from and, and the regrets of your past and actually having to look back and introspect. It's kind of new territory. So I think going from this crazy action scene where, yeah, he's getting pummeled by 20 dudes and then jumping into a flashback which also isn't a huge thing in this franchise either i was like man this is uh it's totally a little all over the place and i didn't hate it but i was it was pretty uh it's a pretty crazy juxtaposition to try to pull off and it's it's weird to think the fast nine is going to be you know the 10th entry in this this franchise and this is where it tries to get pretty uh emotionally heavy so I, it was it was an interesting scene i think i was actually more into the flashback if anything but definitely uh pretty wacky yeah, pretty wacky in wacky, <laughs> wacky. <laughs> so, speaking of pretty wacky, I'm taking the reins here once again because there's something I, I, I have to talk about. Roman, one of the one of the series staples. He's he's one of Dom's crew, and uh, the beginning of the movie basically shows a bunch of scenes where Roman should die by all rights. He's driving a car too low, too slow to avoid landmines going off. He's getting shot at by <laughs> dozens of people with AK-47s. He, you know, has a, 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 essentially a tank fall on top of him. Um, or a, apparently not on top of him, but it really looks like it falls on top of him. Anyway, by all rights, he should be dead. And then there's this whole scene shortly after where he's talking to what, uh, I don't know Ludacris' character's name, but he's talking to Ludacris' character. And he said he, you know, takes off his jacket. He says, "Look, my jacket's full of bullet holes. Like, I don't even have a scratch on me. I'm totally fine. Like, how could this be possible? We've been doing this for. I mean, he almost breaks the fourth wall. He's he basically says, "We've been doing this for how many movies, and I've come away without so much as a scratch every single time. Like, do you think it's possible that we're like immortal? That we're invincible?" Um, and he does that, and as he's doing it, I'm thinking wow, this is an interesting moment. Because, you know, it does seem like they're invincible. Like, it shows him with dozens of people firing automatic weapons, and he takes them all out, just spinning in a circle, wide open. We've seen him do death-defying stunts in at least Fast Five, I know about. I assume he's done it in all the other films he's appeared in. Really interesting question. And uh, they pretty much swipe the question away with, like, that's stupid. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it just kind of blew my mind because I was like, wow, what if they actually pulled that on us? And it turned out they were all invincible. And then they were like, nah, dude, it's just an action movie. Um, and that scene really stuck with me. I, I saw the movie with a couple friends and we couldn't stop talking about it for like two hours after we got out of the theater. Um, you guys have any reactions in that moment? Keegan, I want to I want to hear your thoughts. I I love the self awareness, right? I think it's at this point it's like, how do you get this far, and how do you actually, you know, because the events of of getting away from this kind of craziness completely unscathed, right? If you guys have seen Hobbs and Shaw, there's a scene where the Rock chains himself to a jeep and then chains himself to a helicopter and just Captain America's them together and just completely isn't ripped apart. There's absolutely death defying for ten movies now. It's like, for a movie that wants to keep being fresh and creative, I think it's actually kind of a fun feature that it wants to address this in a way and, and kind of give this nudge-nudge, wink-wink to the audience, right? I think, like, at a certain point, even the studio has caught on. There's no illusion to anyone that this is reality or has any basis in reality where human beings can get shot and a bullet hole goes through you and it can get infected, right? We are completely playing an imaginary land. So for the movie to address it, it kind of just feels like, oh, we're all kind of on a level playing field. We've known for six movies now that this is La La Land. Why not have a little bit of fun at that expense and get some witty jokes out of it? I, I thought it was a fun element. To be clear, I had fun with it too. It was just, it was striking. You know, I was yeah 
I was not, I was not at all sure if they were really going. They really dragged out the joke, you know. And I was yeah. like, "Wow, is this going to be a feature, or is this just like a stunning display of self awareness?" Um, so Taylor. Yeah, I um, this this scene kind of exemplifies why I don't like these movies, because the the reason it's important to have characters that are not invincible and, and superheroes is that it makes you feel invested in them. You care about them because there are stakes, right? You care about what these characters care about. If it's done well, you care about their family, their goals, whatever else. And then there's always the chance things don't work out, that they can die, they can get hurt, whatever else, right? And to just totally have that be non-existent, it just, it, it just totally strips, not just realism, but like, I just don't really, I don't really care about any of these characters. And, and, and it gets compounded by we're jumping around from location, right? So all those, that stuff you're talking about, Hank, when he's getting, you know, uh, the, the bullet holes in his jacket, when uh, he's driving over the landmines and everything, that's all in, uh, where was that? Central America somewhere? And then when they're talking, when he's talking about this, this scene that's all self-aware, they're in like this underwater bunker thing in Ukraine, I think, or something, right? So it just shows that they're constantly jumping around from location to location to location. They're constantly in different cars, and it's all really cool and really interesting, and none of it matters. None of it matters where it's happening. None of it matters who the bad guys are. They're all roughly the same. It's just a vehicle where you get these characters dueling, doing cool things. But if you don't care about the characters because you know nothing bad's going to happen to them, then all you're left with is this empty husk of these characters that are vaguely doing things that are supposed to be cool. And so, like, I was, when they did that scene, I was like, I, yeah, I, I hope that they're like, oh, turns out we're actually all immortal demigods and we happen to find each other because we like drag racing and whatever <laughs> else, right? But I knew, I knew they're not doing that. They're just going to say, they're just going to make, they're just going to make like a fart noise and then on to the next scene. And it's like, ugh. I, will say, I mean, I think that's fair, right? Because, you know, spoilers again for real life. But unfortunately, and tragically, Paul Walker passed away a couple years ago. I know you guys haven't seen this movie, but Fast 7 is the one that he was halfway through production with when he passed away. And so they halted production. Justin Lin stepped over. It was either Justin Lin or James Wan. One of them stepped in to take over production of that movie, give us some respect. And they used his brothers to fill in to do a lot of their scenes. And they did some mocap and they did some CGI to make it look like his character Brian was still in the movie. And they used it as a send-off, and they didn't kill his character off. They just said he was going his own way in life, and we have that famous scene where they drive down separate roads. But it does kind of get ruined a little bit, right? Because the finale of this movie is they're having their famous barbecue, and then the blue GTR pulls up. Inevitably, Brian's going to step out of that car, and in this universe, Paul Walker's character is still alive. And we have a two-part finale that's going to come after this to wrap up the franchise. So it, it kind of like, is he going to be back? Are they going to use his estate? Like, is his family cool with this? But it does kind of draw into question, like, what is the franchise's relationship to death? Like, is this is there any kind of permanence or any stakes to any of these set pieces? So even though I love the movie, that, you know, the relationship to death and whether or not there's any stakes at all or if anything bad can happen to the characters, it does, it does ruin the stakes a little bit. I, I will admit that is, is pretty fair. Yeah, I... I feel like going into this movie, I had to let go of any expectation of stakes that I had, because I know if they they're not going to kill anyone in Fast Nine. Like I like I, I don't need to see this scene to know that. So I tend to think of it more like a rock show with a lot of pyrotechnics. You know, it's still a spectacle. It's still really cool, and you know, no one's going to die at that ACDC concert. Like someone might, but that's a very unexpected result. And I think of this movie kind of as the same way. Like I'm going there, and I don't really want anyone to lose. Like John Cena's the bad guy in the movie, but like I'm still not really rooting against him. I'm still like, oh fuck He's yeah, family. when he does like the cool <laughs> stunts. You know, and so yeah. I feel like if you're expecting any stakes at all, you're probably just in the wrong theaters, in the wrong theater. And uh, the people behind this movie, I think I think they knew that. Um, I don't know if they would admit it in interviews necessarily, but I think they knew that because, you know, like we said, they don't kill anyone. They have a scene where Vin Diesel should die. He doesn't die. They have dozens of scenes where Roman should have died. He doesn't die. They literally shoot a car through a satellite in orbit and everyone makes it home a-okay 
Like, there were never well, any stakes here. <laughs> they, they don't kill any of the stars and the main characters, but civilians and, you know, plainclothes police officers are dying by the dozen. In Fast Five, the, the Rocks team guns down 50 supposedly corrupt Brazilian police officers, and Paul Walker looks and sees it and goes, huh. And then they drive away. So they're killing hundreds of people, just not anybody whose names we know. Yeah, that's a big distinction in this sort of movies, is that uh, you have to hang up. You know, when I say these sorts of movies, I feel I should clarify. You might think I'm talking about action hero movies. I'm not. I'm talking about superhero movies. You know, I'm I'm thinking of this like in the same, same, you know, like Man of Steel... Uh, you know, any of the Marvel movies. And and the reason I compare it to those is because the collateral damage is so extensive and so insane that you have to just not think about it. Because if you do think about it, this is horrific. The world economy <laughs> is probably in shambles. At the end of this, these cities mm-hmm. will never recover. Um, so mm-hmm. if you want to think about stakes, you do have that. And uh, you know the outcome is that everyone but the named characters are fucked. But if you're thinking about stakes for the name, the named characters, there's really nothing. Because they apparently well, don't, don't like, rely you know. on any of these cities being functional <laughs> at the end of this. <laughs> they just, everywhere they show up, there's amazing custom cars. And they just get right in and then they're off and they don't. No, like the, the, the last scene with the beast in, uh, I think it was in Georgia. Um, and there's, you know, they deal with the mercenaries, but then like the regular city cops of, uh, of, of the city are showing up and they're just like hanging out the side of their marked police cars, shooting their pistols at this nonsense. Right. And I'm just imagining what is that cop thinking right now? Like he was going about his life and all of a sudden he's hearing there's a terrorist incident. There's hundreds of people with machine guns. They're driving out. and he goes there and he's like, you know, he's not supposed to be shooting his gun in the street, but he's like, well, it's an active shooter situation. And he sees shooting at these bald guys that are all muscly and everything. And then he just gets blown up and everyone's like, nice. We got him. The magnets got him. <laughs> Meanwhile, his family's got to have a funeral. They're still trying to understand what's happened. You know? Yeah, no, the, actually there, there is one scene in particular where they're like, pulling down street lights to block the police and you just see like half a dozen police cruisers get destroyed and you're like these poor like eastern european police officers like you know i'm (laughs) i'm sure normally they just have to like accept their bribes and go about their day but here they're just getting killed by international criminals who are just like fuck yeah that was dope <laughs> spies yeah, hank was... they're spies as john cena is is adamant to say he goes this whole business of being a spy i love it and as i'm watching this i'm thinking a spy you jumped your ford 50 off of cliff and you got picked up by a freaking stealth bomber and you're gonna drive around with magnets i don't think i know what spies mean anymore <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I, I will uh, just throw it out there for you, Keegan. They may be spies um, in the eyes of their employer, but uh, most of the time, if you are caught spying by the people you're spying on, you're actually considered a criminal. There's not like a, a special like, oh, he's a spy. Let him go. <laughs> you just get to join the you're the main cast now once you get caught. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the bad guys turn into family. That's what that's like that's what always happens. They always fall like and that's the kind of another thing, like, are the Fast and Furious people are they really the bad guys? Is this really a whole franchise <laughs> told from the perspective of these criminals that don't give a shit about anybody else's life? But I haven't seen the other movies, so Keegan, maybe you can maybe there's redeeming things that are happening. They're vaguely saving the world, I guess. Actually, I have a yeah. question before Keegan jumps in here. The big overarching stakes of this movie is there's this device where like whoever activates it will have control of like all the the computerized devices in the world and i'm like is that that different from like our usual day-to-day you know like (laughs) is that like it like like sure one person having absolute control it it is different but is it that different keegan do you have thoughts I don't honestly. I feel like I'm like a F9 PR person on a press junket right now. I feel like I'm a little on the the answering side, but okay. So for Hank, I don't know if I have much of an answer for that. I think this is made for the kind of person that doesn't know that imminent threat is is possible at all times in our real world. So this is a completely new concept to the audience. But I I think kind of the you know the more interesting side of this is Taylor. You you said like what if these are actually the bad guys. There is actually a, a fair amount of, of you know, give to that argument because 
if you guys have seen Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Han is a major player mm-hmm. in that movie, and he gets killed unceremoniously by a random person who turns out to be Jason Statham's uh, Hobbs later in another movie. And so you, you spend a while, you know, you go through a couple of movies, Hobbs is a bad guy, and then out of nowhere, you get Hobbs and shot, right? You have Jason Statham teaming up with The Rock, and The Rock is inherently a likable guy. You kind of have this, like, you know, good guy, cop, teaming up with the bad guy movie, and the, the Hobbs and Shaw serves as kind of a redeeming movie for Jason Statham's character. But all the while, there's this fact that he killed Han, right? And Han is one of the biggest players in 4, 5, and 6. And he's a fan favorite. I mean, I think his whole RX-7, like, all of his design, his cars, they're awesome. And I think he was a really cool character to the family in those early movies. So, to your point, I think there is, like, a huge discontinuity between that because we get this redemption arc for him and Justin Lin had heard about this and there was this big Twitter campaign called justice hashtag justice for Han where people were saying like hey we love Han and it sucks that you guys are making a good guy out of the person that killed him this this British spy who you know set him on fire let's not make this an aspirational character (laughs) right that's fucked up to do yeah so yeah uh, Justin Lin had heard about this campaign. He knew there was a lot of support for the character. And he goes, I mean, why don't we just write around it? So he got in contact with Sun Kang. He wanted to come back. And, you know, it's kind of history from there. But I think it does get a little bit messy, right? Like, I think we get an outro scene with Jason Statham's Hobbs. And it's, again, he's kind of on the bad guy side again. But all that is to say that it gets pretty gray zone-y in a way that I think the movies don't want to quite address because we are just moving set piece to set piece. But I will say, I'm just really glad that we actually got Justice for Han and he's back, you know, in a relatively meaningful way. We get him, it's not an RX-7, but we get him in an orange Supra this time. And he plays a major role in that last action scene. And it's pretty awesome. So, again, you know, I don't know if that's the best answer, but it, it does get a, a little messy. Well, and I don't, you know, I, I'm not trying, like I said, I, I'm one of the record. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. I'm just trying to understand. Sure. Because I, I like... <clears throat> I guess I guess if it's if you're if you're here for the action, right? But the physics aren't anything remotely resembling reality and there's no explanation for any of that. The action isn't really compelling to me. So I'm just trying to understand what people are getting out of these movies, why these movies get these massive budgets and these huge box office turnouts. I'm just trying to see what what the appeal is. I mean, I guess are you not wowed? You know, just from a pure spectacle point, I think, right, it is is one thing to say that it is just loud, bombastic action. But, like, we've seen – we're about to review a Marvel movie. We've all talked about watching Marvel shows together, right? I think there is a certain point where even those movies, which I – I'm an apologist for as well. They just become superheroes in the sky shooting lasers at each other, right? Like, I think there's interesting mm-hmm. stories there, but visually, the fights can get kind of boring at a certain point. And I think one of the things that Fast and yeah. Furious brings to this big, you know, blockbuster action thing is, is there is creativity in these action scenes. I, I don't think Fast 8 is a good movie, and I think it's actually a bad entry in the series, but we get a submarine, you know, cutting through a frozen lake and fighting people in tanks and, you know, Lamborghini Murcielagos. That imagery alone is is cool (laughs) enough on its own. And I think the idea of, you know, Dom has a Challenger that is shown to be mid-engined and has super-powered magnets loaded in the back that can then pull tanks towards it. I mean, you know, again, I think that the argument that there's no stakes there, right? They're they're completely bulletproof and invincible. I think that holds water. But I think that, you know, just the pure amount of creativity that goes into the set pieces rivals any video game in my mind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's I think the reason that like the Marvel movies work for me is that the characters are more interesting yeah. and the stories of those characters are a little bit more interesting and with these characters I don't. Maybe it's maybe I maybe I just need to watch all nine of the movies so that I can have an informed opinion, and then I can <laughs> I can say that I don't like these movies. You know, I just like to point out too that uh, the Marvel characters are less invincible than the main crew. In Fast and <laughs> um, if you've seen Endgame, you know that the Marvel superheroes can die, even fan favorites. I won't spoil who, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> very no, you're fair right, you're right the marvel people get hurt and they get <laughs> fucked up but it fucking vin diesel he just falls 20 stories with concrete he drowns and then he wakes up and all he does is Ugh, and then he's, and he's fine he just that <laughs> yeah all right so 
don't know. I think I've said all I can about this movie. It's it's a spectacle. It's it's a feel good, you know, family spectacle. Um, there's horrible collateral damage. The the whole movie is kind of a war crime, but it's a spectacle. <laughs> Um, and you know, I enjoyed it, but I don't have anything more to say. I don't think I can just describe action scenes and have that be compelling content. You, you, if you've heard me talking about it, you've heard what Hank has to say, but I want my hosts to have time to, to get their last words in. So Keegan Taylor, is there anything you wanted to bring up while we're here? Keegan, why don't I go first? I want want to finish this on a positive note for all of our (laughs) listeners that are huge raving fans of this franchise. Um, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that all of these characters that we're supposed to love are not criminals and vigilantes and that I, I may, in fact, support them all being executed by drones wherever they happen to be. I, I don't know. I don't know if I like these characters. <laughs> uh, the action is just mind boggling. You're just left speechless with how quick everything happens. It's just a very disorienting. Um, I was joking with Hank when we watched Fast Five that we should do a Patreon episode where we just do a table read of one of the scripts <laughs> from one of these movies. And, and whatever it says, like, you know, like we like we go through this dialogue and it's like, be careful, be careful is when you die. And then 10 minutes of explosions and car chase. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just go on to the next fucking, the next, the next thing. So that, that's where I'm at. I'm ready. I'm ready to give it a ranking. But first, Keegan, why don't you why don't you why don't you sell the people on the movie? I mean, I there's no amount of salesmanship that can go into this movie that uh, Vin Diesel hasn't already done already, man. These movies are they're wildly popular. I don't think any of us an hour and a half into our review are going to be changing any minds. But man, oh man, do I adore this movie. If if you are have any semblance of, of interest in these movies, even if you haven't watched any of the others, I think, you know, there's a bunch of bullshit nonsense story, and it doesn't even matter. From someone that's watched 10 of these things and the two short films, I forget characters. Doesn't matter at all. This is, you know, any time is a good time to get into Fast and Furious, and you're gonna have a fun two and a half hours regardless. So, you know, you know now, now might be your time. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think that's all that can be said about this one. Yeah, you're like, you're either going to like it or you're not. Like, seeing the first eight isn't going to convince you. You're either going to like it or I'm going to show up at your house and beat you. You're either going to like it or you're a goddamn nerd, Taylor. I want to meet the guy. I want to meet the the person that watched the first eight movies and, like, those are terrible. And then number nine, they're like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. It comes around at nine. He's like, Dom just needed a brother that we didn't hear about. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. I was missing the family. That's what it was. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for ratings. Um, I know that I have kind of a habit of taking the best uh, rating scale, so I'm going to let Keegan hit this one first. Oh, Keegan, man. hit us with your uh, your closing thoughts. Closing thoughts? Oh, man. If it isn't clear enough, I love this movie. It's definitely not top tier, right? Fast and Furious 5 is the best. That's kind of like the soft reboot. Uh, it's definitely uh, above mid-tier. This is like this is top three, like I've said, of the, of the 12 movies. I really love this. And again, it's coming in at a very important time when theaters are starting to come back. If you know, you're thinking about seeing a movie in theaters, this is definitely the one to do. Uh, it, it's the most spectacle. It's the one that I think... It has the biggest disservice of watching on the small screen. So see it in the biggest, loudest theater you can. Laugh your ass off. Choke on popcorn like I did. It's just, it's a great time through and through. <laughs> uh, for my rating, I will give this a 9 out of 10 ice-cold Coronas shared with my family at a barbecue. <laughs> Alrighty. Taylor? Uh, I did, I... The, I, I didn't laugh at this once during <gasps> the movie. I guffawed a lot, but I didn't, there was nothing, I didn't, not, nothing. So I'm giving this two out of ten bald heads. Two uh, out of ten. That's where I'm at. Two, oh, no. two shiny bald heads. All right. So, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I was prepared to walk into this movie. And when I walked out of this movie, I had to drive home, and I was like, I'm not sure I should be allowed to drive after having seen Fast and Furious 9. And to be clear, I didn't like have a beer during the movie or anything. That was just the impact of the film on my brain and physiology. Um, so anyway, I think I would give this movie a 7 out of 10 cars with rockets strapped to, strapped to them. 
<laughs> how did how did the brake pedal work? How did the Don't steering wheel it. work? <laughs> how did it? Why is there nitrous in space? What is going on? Why was the car the basis for their shuttle? <laughs> hey, and they you know what though they beat Richard Branson. They yeah, they did. by a cup by a couple weeks. <laughs> Suck on that, Branson. Hank, what is uh what are we gonna be watching? What are we gonna be watching in the future? I'm very curious well. to know. Well, Keegan asked a very stupid question there because he's actually already watched this movie. Um, so as mentioned up at the top, um, this is a part of a triple feature. We're back from hiatus. We didn't want to have you guys having a deficit of Rotating Reels content. So we're recording three episodes tonight. Our second episode coming up is a Hank Week. We're going to be watching 2010's Black Death it's a uh, historical drama with a hint of horror, and it's got Sean Bean. I personally like it a lot. We'll see if my hosts do. Um, but that episode should be coming out pretty shortly after this one. So if you're listening to this, go watch Black Death, then come watch Rotating Reels. We're going to talk about it. And uh, that's all I've got to say for this episode.